Hello, welcome to Comet Talk, a production of the BK Happy Hour Laboratory, where we share our class of 1974 stories. I'm your host, Barry Williams. John Addison is our co-producer and fact checker. Our guest this episode is from the Oklahoma City area. We're speaking today to Carolyn Eaton Bivens. Welcome, Carolyn. Hey. So thank you for joining us in, in this episode. Tell me what's going on for you this week or this month. You know, almost every day is different, and I don't necessarily know until that day what is going to happen because I have several irons in the fire but it's a beautiful day I've got the window open I've walked my dogs and just waiting on this <laughs> I uh, got some warm-up questions for you so let me ask you this Carolyn do you like to eat pizza I do eat pizza so if you ask the hideaway to create the Carolyn Bivens what would be on it <laughs> oh gosh everything I guess sausage black olive, onion. I don't love a lot of green pepper, but some mushroom. Anyway, that, that'd be it. Sounds pretty good. The next question is, what is your favorite smell? Probably, it kind of comes from the old incense, like jasmine. Oh, I know. Let me think of the name of that plant. I have it too. This plant, gardenia. That's what it is. The gardenia bush is amazing. I love that. So what would be your least favorite smell? <laughs> Boy's feet. <laughs> you know, I'm not even going to ask why you would have even that in your <laughs> repertoire of fragrances, but that's okay. We'll move along to the, the next question. <laughs> what is... The scariest animal? Probably a spider. I, I, I mean, as far as even insects, it's not a, a big animal, but they just, they do scare me. What is your favorite sandwich? This goes back to my day camp days. My mom would fix us a bologna sandwich with cheese, mustard on one side, mayonnaise on the other. And now I like it with a little lettuce in it, but it needs to sit out in the sun for an hour or so. <laughs> That's something we're going to have to try. Uh, an hour in the sun with the bologna and cheese sandwich. That's, that sounds exciting. So let me ask you one final crazy question. Is exercise worth it? Yes, it is. <laughs> Mental exercises especially, but yeah, they're worth it. They keep you young and energized. I don't well, like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's right. It's worth it, but you don't like it. I, I, I get that. Well, Caroline, we're really interested to hear your stories or your memories of your time at Bishop Kelly, maybe even the lead up to Kelly, because some folks matriculated from other schools, other Catholic schools in the area or some public schools. So tell us a little bit about your history at Kelly. Okay. Well, I came from Madeline. I don't know if you knew anyone from Madeline. We were the very last graduating class because Madeline closed down after we left. Most of our class went to Madeline. You probably remember some of Marianne Rivera, Denise Brommel, Patty Gilliam, and so forth. But um, I really loved Kelly. I was intimidated by a lot of it. The size, the people who were really smart because I was always kind of an average student. I think mostly because I didn't apply myself. But, and I wonder where I could have gone had I applied myself. I loved Kelly. I loved going to high school there and it not being huge. It was big, but... Well, you mentioned that some things intimidated you when you when you came into Kelly. One of it was the size. Was it smaller than Madeline? Madeline had 23 people in our graduating class. So coming from that, it was 
a lot bigger. Oh, I, I can imagine that. That, that was, uh, what, uh, 177 in our graduating class. So yeah, that would be quite a bit of difference. So you, you probably tested like many of us. So where did you kind of fall in terms of uh, the, the class grouping? I think I was in the middle, probably average. I didn't realize all of this until a little later in my career. <laughs> and I was wondering, why didn't I take Brother Bernadine math or, you know, some of the smarter science classes, but someone pointed it out to me that we were just kind of average. And I was fine with that, really. But I just wonder where I, I wanted to later go into veterinary medicine or something like that and had no history of the sciences. So other than what we had to take. So I would have been starting at literally ground zero and I couldn't do that. What was your favorite class at uh, Kelly? Well, obviously home ec was fun because of the relaxed atmosphere. And I really got to know a lot of people in the second, the first semester, we cooked in the second semester we did a lot of needle work sewing cruel which is sort of an embroidery and we'd sit at the table and I met several people that I had never really talked to and loved them and felt like a just a whole different relationship with them so I loved that class I actually loved geology because I loved the outside things you know the rocks the land formation and all of that was your geology class with Mr. Duncan yes it was I've heard other comments about that. And also we heard something, I believe it was from Kathy Moore regarding home economics, that there was actually a guy version of the home ec class. And she was actually one of the teachers in that class. I don't remember that, but I was... Like I said, that was one of those things that intimidated me, knowing too much. And I just kind of had to go my own little path for a couple of years. I am going to ask you the opposite side of the coin now. What was your least favorite class that you took at, at uh, Bishop Kelly? You know, it was probably theology. <laughs> um, I don't know why, but I didn't do very well in it. And I've always considered myself spiritual, but it just didn't fit, I guess you could say. I loved the last year, though. I loved the Christian service. That was what sort of put me in my career. Well, we will come back to the Christian service. Don't let me forget, because I have some questions for you on that, because it's okay. come up in other interviews. I want to ask you a couple questions about your, your teachers and those that you really thought were uh, the best for you at Kelly. Maybe even some that you felt like were not the best for you. I really don't know how to answer that. I know those that I didn't get good vibes from, like uh, Coach and Jerry. Just, he made a comment once and, oh, I know what it was. He, he gave us a test and for a bonus question, he asked us to predict the football game score for the weekend, that weekend. And I, I nailed it. It was like 48 to six. And when I pointed it out to him, he wouldn't give me any extra credit, which I needed probably. <laughs> I was not your best student, but I'll do those bonus questions all day long. And what class was he teaching at the time? I think it was American history. It was part of, if you had to be a coach, you had to know something about U.S. history and, and you could read it, read a book and walk in a straight line. <laughs> you, got, you got that. Exactly. <laughs> Anyone that you got a really good vibe from? It's funny, Mrs. Evans was, there were a couple of incidences where she was just a sweetheart. And I told her kind of, I guess, dishonestly that because I had a C and I told her that if I didn't get a B, I was going to have to go to Memorial. She didn't stop and think that I was a senior, <laughs> but she gave me a B and she was just so sweet about it too. I feel really dishonest now. I mean, I'm feeling really guilty, but I just, that algebra just could not 
quite grasp. Well, uh, that was interesting. I, I always thought she was she was a special person, uh, very, very even tempered. And uh, as you said, very, very sweet. One thing that you mentioned was something that uh, kind of got teed up for you for the future was the opportunity to participate in Christian service. Could you uh, tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, I chose the Woodland Park Nursing Home. And it was a home for adults who had graduated from the age of Hissom. Do you remember Hissom Memorial? And um So they were the adults that didn't have anywhere to go. And I loved it. It was so fun to be around them, talk to them. Some of them could talk and just, it was just kind of fun. Because of that, I really felt like I had an affinity towards special needs people. And that's where I chose my career. So, you know, let's expand on that a little bit. uh, Once we kind of get through the Oklahoma State years, which I've already, spoiler alert, guys, she went to Oklahoma State. (laughs) So, uh, uh, tell us a little bit about uh, how you chose Oklahoma State and, and then what your college life was like. Well, it's easy that I had to go to Oklahoma State. Um, my dad went to Oklahoma State and he refused to let us go to OU. And I'm not kidding. It was a we could not go to OU at all. So it was easy. And I had two older sisters that had already paved the way. And I just it was something I was familiar with. Well, Karen, I want to I want to dig a little deeper into your Oklahoma State uh, experience. Uh, evidently, you and I had one together that I don't recall. <laughs> but and uh, but we're going to take a short break, and we'll be back here in just a few moments to continue talking with Carolyn Eaton Bivens. Hi, this is Barry Williams with Comet Talk. We're back talking with Carolyn Eaton Bivens. And as we ended our first part of this episode, we were talking about her moving from Bishop Kelly High School to Oklahoma State University and a little bit about her what she felt was her career calling. So uh, Carolyn, tell us a little about Oklahoma State and uh, how you decided, well, I know how you decided to go there because your father said, you can go to any place you want to go as long as Oklahoma State because that's kind of where the money was going to go. That's so, right. So uh, how about your your career selection uh, as you were starting off in college? I think at first I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do. And, you know, it's just, it's kind of scary when you know you can't do some things, I guess that narrows it down. But um, I really did enjoy my experience at Woodland Park and I kind of went in that direction and found out what the protocol for special education and just kind of went from there. If I understand you correctly, you decided to go into education with special ed being the primary focus. Is that correct? Yeah, right. So in that you have a lot of psychology classes, uh, behavior things, as well as what the regular teacher takes too. And so did you pursue that throughout your your years at uh, Oklahoma State? Yes, there was a blip time in my junior year. I had 95 hours already completed and I thought I might want to be a veterinarian. So I checked into it, talked to an advisor, and then I talked to the my dog's vet at the time. And he's the one that sort of laid it out real 
on a practical level, he said, you'll graduate when you're 30, then you'll have kids and you really won't practice like you think you're going to. And that really did sink in because I, I realized what he was saying. And I didn't want to wait till I was 30. And the advisor that I talked to um, was with the vet school. He got really excited telling me about the, uh, an entomology class. And that is the study of insects. And I thought, <laughs> do I look like a bug lady? I mean, I, that never would have, I, I don't know. I just couldn't imagine that being a part of it. However, I did find that I love genetics. I did very well in the genetics because I took a couple of classes and I did pretty well in the genetics class. The chemistry, not going to happen. <laughs> I don't have that brain. Well, it's, it's interesting that you bring up that you were dissuaded from a career direction because of the fact that you might want to get married and have a family. Mm -hmm. uh, how, how did how did that work for you in terms of that seeing that as as how your life was going to unfold after you graduate from college? Well, I guess I could pull on my mom's uh, example. She was a teacher, but she married, you know, in that they married in the fifties, and women were. We're not allowed to, I shouldn't say we're not allowed, but like when she got pregnant, she was supposed to quit her job as a teacher. Now she was due in March. And so she, she was actually pretty little. So she stayed with it. And then when she was pregnant with my next sister, she just got bigger dresses. <laughs> and uh, so she did it, but it was not really allowed. So I knew that once I, and I had really always thought once I had kids, I would try to stay home if possible. Um, so that's one reason why it dissuaded me. I really, I think it, the part that I wouldn't graduate till I was 30 really was what sunk in the hardest. Cause I, I didn't want to go to school till I was 30, especially that heart of school. I was already probably 21. So, uh, after four years, uh, you're saying, you know, enough of this already, uh, right. <laughs> and you're, you're ready to spread your wings and, and, and move on. So how did, uh, what happened after your senior year at Oklahoma State? I took a job in a small community outside. It was near Ponca City called uh, Fairfax. And I taught there for a year and I chose it because everyone I knew was still at Stillwater. And it was a 45 minute drive from Stillwater to Fairfax. So I could get to Stillwater on the weekends. And Forrest, we were already dating at that point. And, you know, it was kept me close to him because he also went to Stillwater. That was the reason I chose that school. <laughs> what was your, your first uh, experience uh, as a teacher in special education? Yes, it was. It was actually in high school, well, junior high, high school. Fairfax had a student body of 250 kids between K through 12. And I had the junior high, high school. It was early, early in special ed where um, if a child just didn't perform very well, they could basically be put in the special ed class. So I had a lot of those kind of kids that I really, uh, there was two, I think I never met. And I'm not one to call the, the parents and say, where's your child? I didn't even really know what all were the options to get your kids to class. It was a rough experience. You're not really, I was not welcomed into the community because I was a newcomer. I did live in a really cool little apartment at the beginning of the year for right above the doctor's office on Main Street. So that was kind of cool. And I moved into a house for a little more privacy because friends would come up to their 
and I wanted a dog. In the house, this is what's kind of fun. It was a little one bedroom, one bed. I mean, it was a little house. It had all the rooms, but I paid $60 a month for rent. <laughs> if that doesn't age me, I don't know what. And they wanted to go up $5 to put a carport on. Wow, that sounds that sounds absolutely incredible. 60 to $65 a month that that uh, on but on on the salary that you were getting probably as a teacher it was still it was still probably you know so, somewhat not challenging but still somewhat uh, there as far as uh, a budget item that was big big for you yeah so and my salary at the time was $800 a month so yeah it did it really did it just sounds pretty cool to, to say 60 bucks <laughs> well you mentioned you were there for approximately a year did you move on to another another location after that I'm trying to remember what I oh I went back to school um I decided that I wanted to to look into teaching emotionally disturbed kids. So the only program in the state at the time was here in Edmond at UCO, although then it was Central State University. And so I did a master's program there. And so it's, did you complete your master's in, in that particular area? Yes, I did. When you're taking all the coursework, there you meet the requirements for several, um, like I had a certificate in educable at the time, which is now considered moderate cognitive. And then I also had a certificate in trainable. That is now a profound class uh, or fragile. Then I also got one in area of learning disabilities, which now is considered mild special ed, the emotionally disturbed. And then later I went on to get my certificate in visually impaired so I could teach blind children. I wanted to try the, now it's called behavior classes, or I can't think of it. All the names have been changed. So anyway, I'm not saying I went for all these certificates, but because of the coursework, I got all these certificates. So now did you move away from the school that you were, that you started with right after uh, Oklahoma State into a, a different, different area, different, a different town? What, what happened then? I worked here in Edmond. Initially, I thought it was going to be like Stillwater. So I got a job at the pizza place and then a restaurant. I did that the first year. And then I branched into more of my field and I had a job for two years at Children's uh, Medical Center or Children's Hospital in Oklahoma City. And I actually got promoted up to department head, which I kind of think of as a joke because it's very political and I'm not. I don't even, you know, I'm 24 years old. The politics just went right over my head. I didn't understand what all they do as far as you have medical politics and you have state politics. And I had to leave that job because I had severe stomach things because it was tough. Loved the job a lot, but I wish I'd never been promoted. Um, I was called into the director of the hot, well, he's what did he do? He, he was the employee doctor, you know, the one that hired everybody. And I was called into his office once because of two nurses. One was the head nurse and one was, I guess, her cohort. And they had a complaint about our department. We worked, I worked in the child life department, which is our kids in that department lived at the hospital. They had no home to go to. Parents had given them up or the families had given them up. And the problem was two of our kids had bowel issues. 
not to get graphic, but, and he, the doctor was asking me what the deal was, you know, why did we have these issues? Why are we not working on it? And I looked at the head nurse and I said, have you read their charts? And she said, well, no, <laughs> I love that comment because first of all, a head nurse, that doesn't know the kids that live there. And I don't mean to step into any nursing area, but I was so shocked and felt validated in a way that I knew what I was talking about. This one little boy was born without any limbs because he can't walk. He obviously had issues. And then a little girl that we had had an imperfect anus and always had issues. That's why they had issues. There wasn't anything we could do about it. You know, we just had to deal with it. But when we weren't there, we our hours were until nine o'clock at night, and then the nursing staff would take over. There was probably some issues overnight, but or constipation issues and stuff. Anyway, sorry, didn't mean to go off on that area. <laughs> no, uh, Carolyn, that was really important for I think a lot of folks to hear about the the work that you do, as as well as the fact that there are there are folks out there that need need help. So as you as you went through this, where did Carolyn go to offload what she saw during? In the day friends and um i wasn't married yet so there was the social life i had a dog i, I walked and or ran my dog almost every day i've always felt like that was important you know to, if when you get a pet to really let it be a part of your life at the time i had a dog a female golden retriever named shady she was my shady lady <laughs> And she was great. I could let her off leash and she would run. So anyway, that's, those are the kind of things I did. I was still, you know, more into the social aspect of that age. Carolyn, you, you certainly have shared with us some, some really important and very heartfelt experiences that you had. And it, it touches, I know it will touch our listeners and as well as it touches me. I'd like to have an opportunity for us to take just a short break and think about that and uh, come back to you and we'll talk more about your career and about your your future folks who are listening we'll be back here in just a little bit hi this is barry with comma talk and we're back here talking to Carolyn Eaton Bivens about her career after Oklahoma State University. She's been involved in education and specifically in special education. So Carolyn, thank you again for joining us. Tell us a little bit about your, your, the expanse of your career in education. After I got my master's um, and during that time I worked at Children's and then I left that, um, I had found a program for visually impaired for teaching the visually impaired so I took it it was a six-week course in Ada and then two weeks the next summer but it led me to my job and more I taught visually impaired for four years I had a baby and I so I resigned from my job my baby um, the pregnancy ended in the eighth month he lived for a short time but then I, but I still wanted to teach at that point. So that's when I utilized the Emotionally Disturbed Certificate. And I taught at Highland, uh, Highland East and Northmore in the Emotionally Disturbed, which, you know, it's not as bad as it sounds, except in the junior high. I did teach Emotionally Disturbed Junior High. And I think all junior high kids are emotionally disturbed. So these were 
you know, top of the spectrum. <laughs> and then I had my second son. Um, I had three boys, but I had my second one and I thought I'm not going to work anymore. I'm not going to get paid to go work with other people's children while I pay someone to take care of mine. So I retired at that time and stayed home for a short time. And then I saw uh, a need at this preschool at the YWCA here in Oklahoma City. And I taught there 10 years, loved it. I loved that age group, that four and three, four and five-year-olds. Then I found another opportunity at our church. We were, I was asked to start a preschool there. I did that for about eight years. Then they were undergoing a big remodel at the church. They had to tear out my playground. And I just don't feel like you can have a preschool without a playground. So I got a job here in Edmond at the First United Methodist Church. That's where I ended the preschool part of it, but I loved it. And I found that I kept gravitating towards those quirky kids you know, the ones that other teachers wish were not in their room and just focusing on them because we had two teachers to a classroom. It was always the funny, it was always our joke. I had the same teacher that I worked with. She really didn't care for those kids. So Carolyn can have them and they were mine. I loved them. And I, I actually occasionally saw a little progress, but I realized that I kind of wanted to finish my whole teaching career in the field I started in. And so I was hired here in Edmond at, um, with the schools and I taught in a K-1 class my first year. From that, I realized I do not wanna do as much work. I was probably getting close to entering my 60s and I had no, I mean, so much has changed. John can tell you that it's, the re what's required of teachers is ridiculous. There's not enough hours in the day to get it all done. And coming from being out of the public school classroom for 30 years, I had, it was, I mean, I was a new teacher, basically. I didn't understand the electronic part of it. And so many things changed, all the requirements. Like I was, uh, I said earlier, when I started, I don't even think we had IEP meetings yet. And then I remember one of my first ones, it just was a whole different, I guess I should just sum it up. It was a whole different ball game and I didn't like it. So I decided that I still wanted to be involved. So I would become a teacher assistant and maybe I could actually mentor. And so I ended up in the preschool classroom. Um, they're just uh, developmentally disabled kids. There's some kids with Down syndrome, several autistic. Yeah, I just fell in love with that. But last May, I ended my career, although I'm subbing quite a bit right now. <laughs> and not I'm enjoying it, but I'm not loving it because I really want to be retired. <laughs> well, Carolyn, uh, I can't tell you how much you're witnessing has touched my heart. Uh, being a grandfather of an autistic grandson, uh, I know what uh, the challenges are are now, although not as a parent, but as a grandparent, and he's up there in the Oklahoma City area. And oh. also our, our potential connection with First UMC Edmund with St. Luke's United Methodist Church in Oklahoma <laughs> City. 
And uh, so we, we may have some connections that uh, we, we don't even, we're not even aware of. It's a small world. <laughs> it, it absolutely is a small world. So, you know, as, as we listen and, and hear about your heart for service, this is a question that I've asked several people. And, and I know it's, it's the time of the show where we, we kind of do these types of things about our future and, and, and what, what we see for our, our life's work going forward. But as, as usually before I ask that question, I, I ask the folks that have decided to be on one of an episodes what their superpower is. So Carolyn, what is your superpower? I've heard you ask that question and I don't know. I asked my husband Forrest, what is my superpower? I don't know. And he goes, well, <laughs> you know, he, there's things I love to do. Is that a superpower? I don't understand quite what it is. Well, I would say that if John and I could, John uh, Addison, by the way, is listening in uh, to uh, keep me on the straight and narrow. And if we had to vote right now, and I bet you our listeners would vote, they'd say that you have the you have a heart the size of Alaska <laughs> or Canada. I don't know. You have a huge heart. And that empathy allows you to relate and to serve those who are underserved and need to be served. Whether you can you can see that yet or not doesn't really matter because those who are watching you think you have this massive heart. And I want to want to thank thank you for that. So actually the second question, usually the follow-up question to this usually is is what what's the source of your superpower? And I guess in a more of a philosophical sense, what what do you use as your source? Your source that that inspires you to do what you do and to do what you want to do going forward? I think a little of it is what is expected of us as Christians, as people, adults. You know, that's one of the things I do feel is, I don't know if you would say that the adults quit their jobs or kids just aren't listening. You know, there used to be a little bit more blending there where, I mean, I could name several adults that were impactful in my life. You just don't see that as much anymore. And kids are harder to teach, even neighborhood kids. There's just a big chasm. I think I learned it from the people around me as I was growing up and then even into my first jobs. I had some good mentors and I guess that'd be where I learned it. But as I got older and started studying scriptures and stuff a lot more, it's our responsibility. And I take that with my whole heart. I mean, we, we are supposed to do this. And I look forward to that as I move into my more relaxed years. Well, that certainly is a, a, great, a, a great summary of, of your feelings. Uh, you know, some, some would say you're the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. That's what we're called to be. Absolutely. So, so Carolyn, as we start to wind this episode down, what would you like your, your folks at, uh, that are your, your fellow graduates of Bishop Kelly to know about you and, and what your plans for the future might be? Well, we would like to travel. Um, we had a couple of opportunities to travel big time and I, I really enjoyed it. It's, it's terrifying, but yet so fun. When my three boys were graduating, two from college, and then Josh was graduating from high school, we didn't know, we wanted to do something special for their graduation. So my husband and I talked about, let's take a big trip. And you know, our kids, I don't know how many other people's kids went through a spell where they didn't really like you very much. 
and we were sort of exiting that, but still unsure whether the kids would even want to go. So we talked with them about it one night and we, we specified, this is not like a trip to the lake. This is gonna, you know, if you guys want a big trip, this is what we wanna do. So they were all in and we started throwing about where, you know, of course Europe is always your first thought. And but when then we were like time-wise, what could we, where would we go in Europe? What all could we see? And there was five different opinions on that. So uh, I said, well, let me go to the library. And I picked up Australia and New Zealand, as well as some European. And when they were over the next time, I held them up. I said, what do you guys think? And they all three pointed to New Zealand. So game on. It took two and a half years for us to get there because of schedules and everybody going their directions. I got a part-time job so we could cash flow as much as we could. I mean, our flight was, well, we left on Christmas Eve, which probably didn't help, was the size, you know, the amount of a small car. And anyway, we had the most amazing time. And I suggest if anyone has a yearning to travel to go there first, it's the most gentrified country that I've been to. And, it's just peaceful. Everywhere you go, it's scenic and it's mountains or ocean or just rolling hills. It's the most amazing place. And yeah, you can get me talking about that all you want. But what was a really cool experience there, if I can keep talking, we were in Christchurch, which is on the North Island. There's actually two islands and you take a ferry across and we rented a, a car so that we could just you know, go from town to town. We did have a, an agenda and we had reservations at a lot of places ahead of us. We had gone to a place called the um, Antarctica Experience and it's very touristy. It's exactly what you would think. And one of the things you got to do in it was experience the cold and the wind. It's a room, they give you a coat and some special shoes. I think that's to not damage what they have in there. It gets down to like 65 below in that room. Very, I mean, as soon as it hits 65, it starts going up. But yeah, it's cold. And um, then I think we went and saw another little exhibit thing. And then we left for to go back home or to our hotel. On our way, I realized I, on our way home, I couldn't find my phone. And I, I panicked because I had so many pictures already stored on the phone. We found, we realized that the museum was closed already. It was after five. So we went on back, talked about what are we going to do? We had to be in another part of the country the next day by two. And so now we were going to have to make a stop. And when it was a four hour drive. So we already had it all kind of figured out what time we needed to leave. Well, so the next morning, and our, I think our boys were aware, sometimes you forget you don't tell them, that we had to leave early so we could run by this place. We got there, it was open, and I went in, uh, oh no, before that, our youngest son, who's pretty responsible, and he was dawdling that day. He just was not moving very fast. My husband got a little bit tense about it, and I said, it's okay. God has been in control of this whole trip. So we're okay. Don't worry about it. So we get in the car finally and head up that way. 
and it's raining now, once we get past outside of the city, we stopped to get some gas and they said, there's a good chance that your next stop or up ahead, it'll be closed because of how much rain we've gotten. And they said, you can stop here and find out. It literally was flooding. And you know, those are porous mountains. So the water is like pouring through the sides of the mountain. We're on the wrong side of the street, wrong side of the car. It was just all kind of crazy. But we get up there and we did find out that the roads were closed. And you know what? I forgot the biggest part of the story. I'm so sorry. At the experience, we went up there and I, they couldn't find my phone. I said, can we talk, we tried different places in the museum. And I said, can you think of anywhere else? And she goes, just a minute. And she comes back carrying my phone and it's freezing cold. So what I had done, I had taken a picture of Josh in this room and then stuck the phone in my pocket of this red coat that they put us in. So this is the God thing that there was, a, it was just newly opened the, the, the center that morning. And the first person grabbed my coat and put it on, reached her hand in the pocket and found the phone. Just as I was there, if we had been earlier, it wouldn't have happened. We would have left without my phone. Anyway, I just think that's the coolest thing. All of that happened there. Then we get up to that point, it's called Archer's Pass, and the roads were closed ahead of us. There were bridges out because of the flooding. So we had to backtrack. One of the most beautiful places on earth is where we got to stay that night because we couldn't make it to our destination. It was amazingly beautiful. And it's the, I think I have it on Facebook as my cover photo, I think, because I just can't believe how beautiful it was. Anyway. Carolyn, that is an incredible experience. I'm so glad you shared that with us. So where do you want to go next? Well, I forgot to mention our trip. My son married a Korean girl, but she had lived in the United States for a while, but he taught English over there for four years. So when he got married, it was in Korea. So of course we're going to go. And we managed to go. It, we didn't get to go for very long, but we did get to go. And then we went over to Tokyo for a few days. And that was a, an amazing experience too. So our next trip, probably Germany. We both have a lot of German in us and we would love to see our roots. We don't know anybody there, but it would be fun to travel. I found the language barrier wasn't as intimidating as it can, you can think it to be. Well, I think that now that you've attacked the, the Southern and Asian areas of the hemisphere, uh, it's, it's, you can just go after Europe uh, to your heart's delight. Yeah. That is, that is incredible. So, oh, I, you know, and I am remiss in, in asking you this, this question as well. It has nothing to do with travel, but it's certainly a question we ask everybody that comes on an episode. It's about class reunions. How do you feel about class reunions? I think they're a lot of fun. I really do. I didn't, um, I can't remember if I didn't get to go to, the, where was the 40th? Because I don't remember if I got to go to that one or not. I don't know. It doesn't really matter. That was a, that was a while ago. <laughs> We're just getting yeah. ready to have our 50th in a couple of years. Uh, we had a mini reunion in Tulsa this last summer. And I didn't go because I had a brand new grandbaby. So I, had, uh, we didn't get to be with him at first because of um, a COVID exposure. So we had to wait. So what we'll need to do is make sure that Martin gets a really solid date for that 50th so that you can program your 
your sons not to yeah. have any children or anything anywhere around yeah. that time period. Um, well, thank thank you again for. I'm sorry you missed because of of COVID and and uh, the timing, but uh, I know you enjoyed being with your your grandchild uh, in in a, in a way differently than you would have with uh, your former Kelly graduates. Uh, before we we sign off uh, this afternoon, is there anything else that you'd like to share with your listening audience? I can't think of anything. I th- feel like I've talked a little too much as it is. <laughs> but when you do need someone to interview you guys, sign me up. I'd love to do it. We definitely will take that to put you on the top of the list. Thank you, Carolyn, for being with us. This is Barry Williams with uh, Comet Talk with John Addison. Uh, writing as my sidekick as our fact checker and producer thank you for listening to this episode